morning. It's great to be here today. As Pastor said, my name is Julie. I am a missionary to the country of Chile. And it is a privilege to be here with you as you have supported me through this journey as I got back in February from a two-year, two-and-a-half-year um, stint in language school and then in Chile. And um, I am privileged to be able to be headed back. Um, over the last couple of years, I got involved with a church plant, the city of Santiago, as well as university ministry. And when I arrived, it was in Chile, it was January of 2021, in the midst of a pandemic. And that made ministry interesting, right? It made us get creative, as it did a lot of people all around the world. And it made us kind of figure things out online, right? I was in my apartment. There were times for about two or three months where I could leave my apartment twice a week for up to two hours. And that gets a little interesting, but the really cool part was I was doing ministry online five or six nights a week, five or six times a week, I should say, four or five nights a week through that. Monday nights, I would hop online to an English outreach group that was run through our church, a small group that was evangelistic in nature, to professionals in the area. In Chile, a lot of people who work in the international companies need to speak English in order to get promoted. Um, and so they look for groups kind of like that, that can, they, where they can improve their English skills so they can do better in their jobs. And so we took advantage of that. And I jumped in with one of the guys from church who asked me to be a part of this. He said, you speak English natively, will you help? And I said, absolutely. And got to know some of his coworkers and some of the professionals in the area. And really be able to just sit down, talk about life, speak in English, which was really nice sometimes, and converse. And in that conversation, God comes around because, you know, why are you an American here in Chile during the pandemic? Because I'm a missionary. And let me tell you what that means. Or a, let me tell you about some of the cultural things that we do. And this is what Christmas and Easter means to me at home. And just different ways that God allowed us to bring him into the conversations. It was really cool. Uh, Tuesday nights, I noticed that there was an interesting issue that we had with our university group that I was also a part of. If you're familiar with Chi Alpha, it's similar to that. And um, I was involved with a small group on Thursday nights, actually, with that. And they'd been meeting in online classes for almost two years at this point. And if you understand university ministry, a lot of it is person to person. It is talking to the people that you're around and inviting them to your group. But when you're in an online class, you can't do that. And you don't have the opportunities of 
sitting next to the same person on a regular basis two or three times a week and just starting conversations with them. You don't see people in the hallways outside of the classrooms. And so the university minister is having a tough time inviting people to their small groups because those personal one-on-one conversations weren't happening. Because when you talk to somebody in your class over Zoom, you're talking to the whole class. And um, so after talking with some of the people in the leadership team of my small group and the missionaries that I was working with, I started on Tuesday nights an English group for the university ministry. And I said, invite your friends to English group and that will create a bridge to invite them to your small groups. And I opened this up to all of the small groups, not just mine, and I said, use it to invite your friends because it's a whole lot easier in the middle of a class to invite somebody to an English group than it is to a Bible study. And we'll use it and we'll we'll piggyback off that, we'll use it as a bridge. And it was really fun because we saw not only that happen, but as I was talking to Myra, one of the missionaries that I worked with, who was very involved in the university ministry in Santiago, she started asking me, she goes, so who was there last night? And, and I was answering some questions, and I said, this person, this person, this person. And as I was listening to him, she said, wait, how often has that person come? And I was like, oh, he's been there pretty regularly. And she goes, Last year, he was part of the Catolica group, which is a specific small group that the university ministry has on the, uni- the Catholic university campus in Santiago. And she said, he would come sometimes last year, in the beginning of the year, this year too. He'd show up maybe once, twice a month, if we were lucky. But he's been coming regularly, and it sounds like it's been since he's been coming regularly to your small group, to your English group, that getting involved with that brought him back in and we're actually looking at him as leadership for next year. And so it was really fun to see some of that kind of thing happen where that we weren't expecting to pull kind of some of the fringe people in our small groups back in to get them involved more And so that was one of my outreaches or one of the ministries that I got involved in. And then at church, we noticed that some of the single ladies were kind of falling through the cracks during the pandemic. And we had ministries to a lot of other groups, but that was one specific group that was kind of getting missed because in Chile, they don't have single ministry groups. It's just not a thing that's done. And I went, Now, that's a little strange, but okay. And so upon talking to Josh and Myra, my mentor missionaries, the missionaries that pastored the church that I was a part of, we decided to start a single ministries group to girls because we only had a couple of guys and they were both involved in other ministries, very heavily involved in in some of their cases. And so I met with them once a month on Friday nights to create a community where they didn't get dropped through the cracks, where we met together, we talked about God, we talked about how to hear his voice and the ways he speaks. 
and creating space for him in our lives through the weird busyness of COVID, working at home and many of them living alone and just creating a place for them to go and a community for them to belong. And that was a great, great thing that we saw happen. Um, this, the country kind of started to open throughout the year as COVID cases started to go down. And in October, um, we were finally able to really travel more from state to state and through the country. And Josh and Myra looked at me and they said, would you like to go with us to the city of Coquimbo to visit some friends of ours? Our friend, pa our friend is a pastor he's up there. His name is Marcelo. And we'd like you to see the church and the Bible school up there that he runs. Just get you out of the city. And I said, absolutely. And so for a long weekend, I hopped in the car with them and we drove up the five hours north. And I spent the weekend with Pastor Marcello and his family. And one day, Josh looked at me and he said, hey, Pastor Marcello and I are going to go check out this church plan about an hour away. Would you like to go with us? And I said, sure, love to. So I hopped in the car with them and we went and we saw the property of a church plant that was happening to be the seed of a church plant for the entire area that it was in, starting in rural Chile outside of the bigger cities. And on the way back, Pastor Marcelo looked at me through the rearview mirror of his truck and he said, you went to a, uh, an Assemblies of God University in, in the United States, right? And I went, Yes. And he went, what did you study? And I went, missions. And he said, would you be willing to think about coming and teaching that in the Bible school in Coquimbo? And I went, sure, I'll think about it. I mean, how do you tell him no, right? And over the next couple of weeks, in my prayer time, God went, you'll more than think about it, you'll do it. And I went, oh, okay. Because I know my Spanish is not where it needs to be to teach a class. It is conversational, but it needs some work in order to teach. And I'd graduated quite a few years ago in this, and I was like, all right, I'm going to have to brush up on this a little bit and figure some things out because on paper, I've only been on the mission field for a little over a year. What right does that give me to speak into the lives of these students as they're getting ready to go overseas as a missionary? But God went, I called you. That's what gives you the right. I went, okay. Because he doesn't call us to do the things we're comfortable doing or we wouldn't need him. He calls us and he stretches us and he says, I need you to rely on me and watch what I can do. And it's exciting because I am headed back to the city of Coquimbo to start the missions training program in Chile. They want to send 50 missionaries out in the next five years. They've got missionaries coming through the ranks as teenagers that are wanting to go out. They've got a group of 52 teenagers, ages 13 to 20, who are called to the mission field. They've got couples 
all throughout the country, some of whom I've met, who are called, who haven't chased that calling yet. Friends of mine from the church in Santiago called the Japan. One of the young men that I met in the ministry, in the university ministry, who was one of our leaders the last year I was there, as I was getting ready to come home in February, he was getting ready to go for a month-long trip in Turkey. He came back and is one of the first of those 50 missionaries being sent out as he was approved this year to go back to Turkey as a missionary. This is a kid who was, while attending one of the toughest universities in the country, was part-time attending one of the Bible schools online as well, so that when he finished his degree at the university, he could go to the mission field because he had studied all of his Bible stuff that he needed to. He's driven. And he's called to Turkey. I met a guy when I was there in February who was attending the Bible school who's called to South Texas. And I kind of went, what better person to work with Spanish-speaking immigrants coming into the country than a Spanish-speaking immigrant that God has called, that that's her job. To go in and minister and share the love of Christ with people who are unsure, who are hurting, who need hope. And so I'm headed back to Chile to work with the National Church and start the missions program. Because God has not only called people from the U.S. to go to the ends of the earth, but he is calling people from all over to all over. In September, I had the opportunity to go to Colombia and be a part of a missions conference that had people there from all over the world who were part of sending missionaries to all over the world. There's over a hundred countries that are sending countries right now. And they said, if you're gonna be training, you get to come. And I said, okay. And I met some of the Chilean national leadership while I was there. And I had the opportunity to sit down with them at dinner one night with a guy from Paraguay who's a missionary to Sudan. He leads our Live Dead team there, planting churches among some of the hardest to reach people groups of the, of the world. Because people from other countries can get in where we cannot. And he looked at us at that table that night and he said, will you send us Chileans to work with us? This is what we need. And we said, we will definitely try. One night, there was a pastor from Singapore who got up and he said, we've got a lot of Latin-speaking, or of Spanish-speaking people from Latin countries coming into Singapore as workers. But we don't speak Spanish, they don't speak Chinese or English, and we can't reach them. Latin America, will you send us missionaries to reach the Spanish-speaking people in our country. And from all over, they said yes. It was fun. We got to see people from Colombia, from Ecuador, from Venezuela, from Cuba. 
all sending countries. And we as a group from Chile said, we'd love to. We just got to get the program up and running. They don't always know the questions to ask when they're dealing with other cu cultures. This is something I've actually been trained to do. Ask the right questions. Figure out the parts of culture that you need to learn. I went to Romania with my parents when I was 16. First time out of the country. My mom asked the missionary kid who picked us up from the airport, what do we need to know? And she looked at us, as she, she looked at me and she said, do not look guys in the eyes when you're walking down the street. Look at the ground, don't look up. And I went, oh, okay. You catch eye contact and you're flirting with them. And I went, oh, okay. As a freshman at North Central, I was surrounded in the city by Somalis, told something similar. You don't look the guys in the face. Okay. All incoming freshman girls are told this. We don't want to start anything. We don't want to have issues. But you have to know to ask those questions. You have to know that that's different. And sometimes when you're walking into a culture, they don't know where you're coming from. So you have to know the questions to ask. Can I look people in the face? One of the things I noticed was you don't eat with your hands in Chile. I started picking up French fries and I looked around me and I went, I should not be eating these with my hands. I was around church people who knew me and it wasn't a big deal, but I actually looked at Joshua Meyer and said, my American, this is showing, isn't it? Because I'm eating with my hands. And they went, yeah. They eat everything with a, with a fork and knife, including hamburgers. And so I was like, well, that's okay. Part of the culture that you have to learn. But things you have to pay attention to. And in a lot of cases, things you have to be trained to pay attention to. Because if you make the wrong cultural faux pas and you don't know that you're doing it and you don't know the questions and the things to ask of people, that can become a hindrance to the gospel. So I may not know every culture of the world, but that doesn't mean I can't look at people and go, these are some differences you have to pay attention to. These are some questions you need to ask. And that's why God has called me specifically, somebody trained who hasn't been there for a long time, who still has to ask these questions myself to be able to train people to ask these questions. Moving into the message this morning, we're going to be in um, Matthew 28 verse that many of you probably know. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I touched on it a little bit 
but we're called to make disciples. In the university ministry I was with, our, something we said was we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Because a university ministry does not survive if it does not duplicate itself every couple of years. If the leaders going out do not duplicate themselves, reach people and create leaders to take their place as they leave. But we all should be living such a life that we make disciples. That's what God's called us to do. You turn to Acts 1. Another of Jesus' last commands before he was ascended into heaven. Verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was in Jerusalem when he was talking to them. He looked at him and said, reach the city where you're at. And go to Judea, the surrounding area, your state. Go to Samaria, your neighbors you don't like. And go to the ends of the earth. And as we read through Acts, after that, we start to see this happen. They were reaching their city. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a sermon, and 3,000 people came to Christ, joined the church. And as the church grew, they started to see some issues happen, and then they appointed seven people to help them deal with those issues, become deacons in the church, become leadership, and one of those seven's name was Stephen. And he preached so boldly in the city of Jerusalem that they brought him before the Jewish leaders where he did it again. Full of the Holy Spirit, he was a bold preacher. So much so that it made the Jewish leaders mad and they stoned him for it. And we watch as the church then scatters. Philip, another one of those seven, goes to Samaria, where we see his ministry. And then one day, God says, go to that road over there. And he's going, I'm paraphrasing this, but you can read it. And he does. And on that road, he meets an Ethiopian who is fairly high up in the government, who is traveling. And he is reading from the book of Isaiah in a chariot. And those days, with the way things were written, you read out loud. You did not read in your head. It didn't work. If you were reading, you were reading vocally. And so Philip heard him reading, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no. And so Philip got in the chariot with him and explained to this Ethiopian the passage from Isaiah that he was reading. And it was about the Messiah. And he said, this is who that's about. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. 
And the Ethiopian became a believer in Jesus as the Christ and Messiah that day. And as he was being baptized, he came out of the water. God took Philip somewhere else. And the Ethiopian took the message of the gospel home with him. And we see as the gospel is being taken to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. If you read further, you know to, you can read about Paul as he takes it even further. Church history says that after the book of Acts ends, he went on a fourth missionary journey, possibly all the way to Spain. As they cannot explain the expansion of the gospel through Europe any other way. And God had his hand in reaching the ends of the earth. He's called me to my end of the earth because Chile's pretty far away. It's a country that's 3,000 miles long. Interesting culture, difficult language. Chilean Spanish is said to be one of the hardest, if not the hardest, dialect of Spanish to understand. And I believe it. But it's not impossible. God says, trust me. And I go, okay. And then he says, train them. And I go, okay. Because he's sending them to their ends of the earth. My friend Antoine to Turkey. Talia to South Texas. Jose and Belen, who have been called to Japan. And others who I haven't met yet. A group of 52 teenagers who he is asking to go around the world to different places that I am excited to meet. But some of us he's asked to stay in our Jerusalem. Where you're at. And that for you is here. We don't get an exemption to not make disciples because we're not called to the ends of the earth. Because when God said, make disciples of all nations, that includes here. That doesn't just mean overseas. That doesn't just mean people who are designated as missionaries or pastors. It means everybody. Make disciples. Do what Jesus did and bring them alongside you as you live life. Do what Paul did. Say, come with me as I follow Jesus and show you who he is. Show you how to follow him with me. Because that's pretty much what making a disciple is. It's introducing them to Jesus and showing them how to follow him. And if we're living our lives in a way as such to follow Jesus each and every day, 
we should be able to grab somebody and bring them along with us and show them how to follow him too. But he's also asking us to go to Samaria. And for some of us, a Samaria is an actual different part of the state or the country. But for some of us, it's metaphorical. Go to the people you don't like, the people who don't like you. Whether it's because of beliefs or ethnicity, just because we don't like them and don't agree with them does not mean they don't need Jesus. Go to the people who don't like you. Maybe it's that grouchy coworker, or maybe it's the neighbor that's always yelling at you or your kids. They still need to know the love of Jesus. If we were in the cities, I would tell you maybe it's, it's the Muslim next door. Or the Hindu or the Buddhist. And maybe up here it is, but they're few and far between. But each and every person on this planet needs Jesus. God has called some of us, like myself, to go but he's called many of us to stay. Reach your Jerusalem. Reach your Judea. If he's calling you to your end of the earth, go. But if he's calling you to stay, then do what he's asked and make disciples where you are. And he has called me to go to the ends of the earth from where I am. And I can't do that without your help. I appreciate greatly everything you've already done to help me go, but I'm asking you to send me again because the world needs Jesus. He's asked me to not only go and help reach, but to teach so others can too. Will you help me? One, will you pray? Because that is my biggest need. There's prayer warriors behind me. As I go do something the devil does not want done. Pray not only for me, but for the ones in Chile God's calling. For that group of 52 teenagers to stick with their calling and to go and make it. But for the others who have been called who haven't done anything about it because there wasn't a way before. There is now. But they still need to take that step. Pray that God will renew that call in their hearts and they will go. I also need your financial help. I can't do what I do without people like you backing me behind me. So this morning I'm standing before you and I'm going, I need your help. Not for me, but for the ministry that God has called me to do. Will you help send me so that we can send them? 